Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, will there be an increase in defense spending in tomorrow's federal budget? I'm also very much behind building up our military. I'm, I'm, I'm all about being peace, uh, peaceful, but um, apparently uh, the, the last month has shown us that we have to build up our defense to defend democracy and, and world peace. The Prime Minister faces questions about concerns over Arctic sovereignty. We continue to be uh, extremely aware of all the ways that Russia is seeking to disrupt and uh, cause chaos in the world. Uh, we are continuing to stand strong in our, our sovereignty and our defense of the Arctic. Uh, but of course, with NORAD modernization on the table, with uh, increased investments in defense, uh, the Arctic is an area we're going to look closely at. And the government introduces a bill that would force digital giants to compensate Canadian media outlets. In 2020, online advertising revenues in Canada were close to $10 billion, with two dominant digital platforms taking over 80% of those revenues. That's an incredible chunk of power in the market. That also means that while news is being shared widely, journalists and newsrooms are not earning what they should from their work. It's Wednesday, April 6th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by... Longtime political writer and broadcaster, Dan Legere. Good morning, Dan. Hi, Mark. We are on the eve of the federal budget. We're going to hear tomorrow what Christia Freeland uh, has to say about the government's spending plans for the next year. And of course, there are a lot of big questions, including whether we're going to spend more on defense. That has certainly been a theme since the crisis in Ukraine began. Uh, there's also a report from CTV today saying that the government's going to add a surtax on the profits of big banks who made a lot of money during the pandemic, which is, uh, I'm curious to see how they would actually define that. That could be tricky. But what are your expectations for tomorrow's federal budget? Well, you know, these uh, these budget exercises, as you know, we've said before on the, on the show, Mark, uh, I mean, I, I'm a long-term budget day skeptic I, I just think you know it's it's a very antiquated way to do national finances to have this big secret document with stuff leaked and then all announced on one day and the big media lockup and all i i think this is ridiculous you could say okay we're going to take the month of april and we're going to talk about the budget and do it in a transparent way and it'd be better for everybody but, but okay nobody listens to me on this and <laughs> we're going to do it the regular way um you know, there. Yes, uh, obviously, defense spending is is in the public uh, view because of the horrible situation in Ukraine, which just seems to get worse by the day. And I do think that people are really sickened and outraged by what they're uh, seeing and hearing, uh, and the and the sort of brutal treatment of defenseless uh, civilians, children, women, old people pets even, you know, by these Russian invaders. And, uh, you know, so people, you know, and, and they're feeling a little uh, less uh, secure, perhaps, than we normally do in Canada. But as some people have pointed out, we are in, in many ways a border state with the Russians. The Russians are very aggressive in the north. And, uh, and Canada is not doing enough. No one would say Canada is doing enough to secure its Arctic. Um, our, we're not doing enough to take part in our NATO commitments either. Um, uh, 
And uh, this is something that has taken place under liberal and conservative governments, that there has not been enough spending in defense to live up to commitments that were made many years ago. Um, so, you know, uh, but the, it's such a complicated thing, Mark. Canada is terrible at acquisitions and procurement as well uh, on the military side. I don't know why that se- seems to be impossible to fix. Um, maybe Anita Anand, with her procurement background on the pandemic, is the person to straighten some of these things out. I hope so, because what is the point of allocating money if you can't spend it or spend it in a rational way? And even more deeply, Mark, we haven't had a national debate or national conversation about what our defense forces should be doing. What's its role? Where are we going to be? Are we? Is it the defense of Canada? Is it our foreign obligation? So these are all things that have to be done. And, uh, you know, the annual federal budget exercise is not the best place to do it. Yeah, I think that last point is a really good one, which is uh, in particular, which is just that uh, it's one thing to say, hey, we're going to spend more money on defense. But if you haven't done the strategic planning, then what are you going to spend it on? What, where is that money going to be invested? What are the priorities? What, what is the is the mission of our, our of our Canadian Armed Forces right now? So, yeah, the perfect example is deciding to buy the F thirty five airplane uh, ten years after deciding the first time to buy it, and you know the plane hasn't changed. Nothing has changed other than they've become more expensive. So this yeah. is this kind of you, you just slap your head uh, watching them go sometimes. All right, let's talk a little bit more about Arctic sovereignty because the Prime Minister was asked about it yesterday and there are rising concerns. As you say, we effectively border Russia uh, because of uh, the proximity in the north. Uh, so what should our approach be to the, to the fact that, that Russia is, is close by? This is, this is a threat that not a lot of Canadians have thought about over the last 20, 30 years since the Cold War came to an end. Uh, But here we are with Russia invading adjacent territories. Uh, So what should what should be our concern? What should be our response? Yeah, well, we're back into Cold War Two. you know, a a long term confrontation, you know, to make the distinction between confrontation and conflict. You might say that right now, Canada and the United States and other allies are in a confrontation with the Russians, uh, but not in a conflict. And right now, the the focus of the confrontation is in Eastern Europe, but that could shift over time to the north. And it isn't just the Russians who are challenging Canada's sovereignty in the north. Virtually every seagoing country, uh, you know, including the Chinese and the Americans, uh, are transiting the Northwest Passage at will or, or going in and out of those um, far northern uh, territories with literally no no or few challenges from Canada. So, you know, uh, there were discussions earlier this week, I think, Minister Anand and the Prime Minister met with the territorial leaders to, to talk about their perspective on it. But, uh, you know, doing anything in the north is massively expensive, as we know. It's the most hostile environment practically on Earth, in which to operate a military. I've been up there with the Army in past years and saw how difficult it is to do anything on Baffin Island in the winter. And uh, But this is, this is Canada. This is our challenge, and this is one of the areas that I hope we have a rational discussion about it at some point. But uh, 
you know, it's not just the Russians. Uh, Canada has to decide where it stands on the coal notion of the Arctic archipelago and how we're going to defend it and how we're going to assert our sovereignty. Um, and, uh, you know, there, other governments have make, made a few small steps in that area, but we have to do a lot more if we're going to achieve that sense of security that Canadians have, have gotten used to. All right. Finally, Dan, uh, the federal government announced yesterday, it was uh, Heritage Minister Pablo Rodriguez, uh, that it is on the verge of forcing companies like Facebook and Google to share some of their profits with Canadian media companies when they make money off their content. Uh, and this is an attempt to support these news organizations in Canada at a time when their revenues have been under threat. Um, so... Uh, what do you make of that? Is this is this an elegant solution? Does it make sense? Uh, it's not an elegant solution. I mean, it is it is something. I mean, it's a little bit of slamming the barn door after the horse has gone three counties over, sort of thing. But uh, uh, anything that will uh, ease this incredibly unfair and destructive uh, domination of Canadian news media by the likes of Google and Facebook, uh, you know, I'm, I'm supportive of it. It is not perfect because it, it imposes and intervenes uh, the, with the government or and with uh, the hand of, of, of the public policy in the middle of something that should be uh, private sector and anarchic as possible, which is the news media, if it's to be uh, fair and balanced and, and not in the Fox News sense, but actually fair and actually balanced, then, you know, uh, there's a lot to do. But um, right now, I don't know, I'm torn about these things, Mark, because we've got to do something to get reporters back into City Hall and back into the Town Planning Commission and back uh, on Parliament Hill and every place else in the provincial legislatures. Um, they're being, uh, reporters are a vanishing breed and, uh, you know, something has to be done to turn that around, but I'm not particularly keen to see it turned around just so, you know, post media and one or two other big media conglomerates, foreign owned can, um, can find another source of revenue and still not really give a damn about, uh, as I say, covering City Hall and the Town Planning Commission, because those are the stories that really affect people. And, um, you know, it's it's a terrible mess, and uh, there's a long way to get out of it. Now, perhaps if some money does come back into these news organizations, they can start restoring the coverage the way um, that best serves the public. But, boy, we are a long way from that right now. Hmm. All right. We will see what happens, and uh, we will look forward to the federal budget tomorrow. I know it's not your favorite thing, but at least you don't have to be in the lockup. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, you I can, hate lockups. Yeah, I, you, can, you can watch from a distance, Dan. Thank you so much for, for, for joining us today. Uh, okay, Mark. That's longtime political writer and broadcaster Dan Legere. We continue to be uh, extremely aware of all the ways that Russia is seeking to disrupt and uh, cause chaos in the world. Uh, we are continuing to stand strong in our, our sovereignty and our defense of the Arctic. Uh, but of course, with NORAD modernization on the table, with uh, increased investments in defense, uh, the Arctic is an area we're going to look closely at. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Montreal Gazette, Curry Dixon argues the Canadian North desperately needs proper military support. Dixon writes, 
Russia's attack on Ukraine has laid bare Canada's need to take seriously the risks and vulnerabilities of our North and our inadequate military preparedness. We do not have the capacity to defend our interests in the North. It is hardly a leap to wonder if the indiscriminate aggression that Putin has shown in Ukraine could find its way into the Arctic. Russia has long made grandiose claims in the Arctic and has often tested the limits of Canada's air and marine responses. Considering what is happening in Ukraine, the planting of the Russian flag on the seabed at the North Pole years ago now seems much more foreboding. In the Toronto Star, Heather Schofield argues Canadian politicians are offering solutions to inflation that could make things worse. Schofield writes, Politicians see inflation putting the squeeze on voters and their instincts kick in. They give them money or tax breaks or rebates or some kind of way to boost the income of families in a tight spot. Except right now, it's doubtful that those gifts will do much beyond paper over a few of the harms caused by inflation and may even drive rising prices even higher. It's the conundrum the federal government faces with this week's budget and the temptation that some premiers have already caved to. In the Ottawa Citizen, Andrew McDougall argues Jean Charest and company have five months to slow the Polyev juggernaut. McDougall writes, While Charest is a formidable politician, he needs to convince conservatives he's not yesterday's man, campaigning with yesterday's methods. Early indications are the country has moved on. The only place Charest currently outperforms Pierre Poiliev is with the general population. The problem is that he first has to climb the mountain of the current conservative membership, a tougher task to accomplish and in a shorter time frame. Now here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. The Prime Minister will speak with the Prime Minister of Ethiopia and then attend the Liberal Caucus meeting and question period. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will attend the Liberal Caucus meeting. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will attend the NDP Caucus meeting and question period. Immigration Minister Sean Fraser will be joined by the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees to provide an update on several IRCC initiatives. Minister of Official Languages Jeanette Petipa-Taylor and Treasury Board President Mona Fortier will take part in a news conference in Ottawa, and Conservative members of the Standing Committee on Natural Resources will question Environment Minister Stephen Guilbeault and Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, April 5th. Tune in to Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.